listen, that is my opinion. My name online is not Joe not opinionated. It is, <laughs> it is Joe opinionated, and it has been since 2005. So... Hello, and welcome to The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray, and I am a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. I'm on Twitter, at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cats. And my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old film student from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have... I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the hundred script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Today we are joined by Joe Garfine, who's at Joe Opinionated on Twitter and the creator of Cancer Gets Lost, to discuss 413 Prime Fire. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. This is going to be fun. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm so glad we could finally do this. I know. I mean, we talked about it in January at Unity Days, which... Not to yeah. jump ahead, but how awesome is it that all of the fateful eight, as I like to call them, uh, from the rocket side of the island were at Unity Days while they were filming this? Mm-hmm. I can't believe they did that. That's, they were all so excited, like kids in a, in a candy store, and now we know why. But that's, yeah. that's, that's jumping ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I was doing the Dropship podcast with AJ Mass, but due to our schedules... And other circumstances, we just sort of, it sort of dropped off uh, our radar for the season, and we're not sure we're going to have time to pick it back up. We might do one wrap-up of the season, but um, my primary focus and goal and passion in life is running Cancer Gets Lost, which is, as most of you know, and I appreciate that, the uh, a small one-person-run charity where I collect entertainment memorabilia, try and get it signed, and then host various uh, charity auctions and donate all the proceeds to cancer organizations. And that being said, I've become really close to the cast and crew of The 100 over the last few years who are entirely 100% charitable and amazing humans. And so I do want to put a caveat out there for this podcast that obviously I'm not very objective. Um, I love the show. I love my friends having jobs. Uh, I like that they work on this show and they are wonderful humans. So I have great enthusiasm for the hundred and I just wanted to make sure people knew that that's like, that's out there on the table. We'll, we'll be the, the ones who are less cool than you who don't know anyone yet. <laughs> you met, you met them at Unity Days. They're cool. True. We just uh, had Sachin and Louisa on too, and they are lovely humans. Oh my gosh. Some of the best. I mean, and Sachin is is probably, I think, and arguably everyone who's met him would agree, one of the best human beings on the planet. 100% agree. Completely, 100%. yep. <laughs> like, he's actual sunshine and rainbows. So, you guys, if you ever get a chance to meet him at a con, he is that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did meet him briefly. Um, my girlfriend Sam was the one who won that, uh, from the auction, she got that drawing of Jackson and Abby. Yes! Oh my gosh. So um, she took it to get it signed, and he deliberated over what to write on it for probably a good five minutes. Such a... Because he was like, I don't want to mess it up. I gotta write something good. (laughs) Has to be perfect. He's very sweet. I love it. And like, he's one of the only people on the show, I would say, who's like his character. And, you know, he's just Jackson. He's a ray of sunshine, and he's there for Abby. He's there for his friends. It's the best. And we did see him so briefly in the finale, which was kind of reassuring. It is reassuring. Maxin, is that what we're calling it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. just checking. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of um, beards in season five. I think Many there'll be beards. a lot of facial hair. <laughs> now that everyone doesn't have to play teenagers. Um, they can play their Scrum own age. Yeah. yeah. I know, it'll be lovely. Now it's going to have like the best beard competition. I, Miller has a good head start. Yeah. He honestly does. I was like, a teenager does not have that beard, but that's a good beard. Although we When can... Jared showed up at Unity Days with that beard, I was like, 
who's that? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that also we all know that Kane wins for hair. Um, mm-hmm. So oh, I'll be yeah. curious to see what Kane's hair will be like in six years. My one of the segments that I do on this is the Marcus Kane beard appreciation, just to catch <laughs> up with the beard every episode. How's it doing? What's it Good looking beard. like? <laughs> Good beard. I I think he's gonna have an amazing beard when they come back. <laughs> just be like one of those like really really long ones. Yeah. Or Abby Abby's gonna be like, sweetie, you know we have scissors, so. <laughs> Just like cut it off while he's sleeping. Uh, I didn't sure. agree to date Dumbledore. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Just, I know we'll get into it, but there's, there's. I love that we have the possibility of seeing flashbacks of six years, both in the bunker and on the Ark, because oh there's good humor possibilities in there as well. Yeah, I mean, let's just like jump right into that because flashbacks are my favorite topic. I definitely want it to be. BSG style, where they did like that whole episode of flashbacks of what happened on the year on New Caprica. Yes. Yes. Ooh, that's very similar to the other 48 days, which is uh, an episode in season two of Lost. This is why I love you guys. You just referenced two of the best shows of all time. <laughs> Robin hasn't seen Battlestar, so, uh, hmm. Well, that's our I'm next not thing. Okay, yeah. good. It's like, it's like Claire on Metastation who hasn't watched Lost. I'm like, how are you oh. the biggest Henry and Cusick fan? Failure. You have to. Exactly. I, I showed her, um, what's the season two premiere of Lost called? Uh, it's called uh, Man of Science, Man of Faith. Wow, you beat okay. me to it. <laughs> so I showed her the first five minutes to sell her on watching Lost in the first place, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, Desmond's entire morning routine. And like yep. after that, it was just like, okay, so I'm watching Lost now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We're going to hold her to it. I, That's I'm the episode that she's time. coming on the podcast for, so she better, yeah. she better catch up. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I was so- going to say about the about the flashbacks, though, is that I just, like, I need extensive flashbacks. Lost <laughs> had very extensive flashbacks. They had a three-year time jump, but it wasn't even that big of a deal because you got to see everything that happened in there. If, right. if we just show up and they're like, oh, yes, um, Bellamy is dating Imori now. <laughs> I'll be like, uh, um... Context. But I need more, please. Bamori? Ooh. Bamori. Belmori. Immorally. This is getting complicated. I like that someone said on Twitter the other day, I don't even know if it was Louisa, like, emoji, which is like, Imori and John. Emoji. Yeah. So oh, cute. that's really cute. That's what my phone corrects Amori to every time I try <laughs> to type it. I just can't wait to see grounders in space, literally. Oh, I loved um, Echo and Amori's faces when Raven started to float. <laughs> like, what the F is happening? Amori was so, so pleased, and Echo was so bewildered. Ugh. And again, we're jumping ahead, but my favorite thing in that rocket, besides Raven being awesome, was Amori being like, we should wait for Clark another minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. I love that sort of, like, instant forgiveness of, like, okay, Clark did a thing, but also I don't want her to die. Right. Okay, you guys take the lead because we could talk for hours and I want to make sure we follow your schedule. Okay, um, we just, we decided to do like sort of like a loose style, so we're okay right now, but, um, <laughs> I think the first thing that we wanted to talk about, probably because it's the shortest part, is, uh, Hedda Octavia. <laughs> I mean, I, I think people, it's controversial, obviously it was a choice to put the, uh, the gear on her head, and it makes yep. sense that, you know, she did rightfully win um, the conclave, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that there's probably 
a lot of respect, if not 100% respect, among the grounders for Octavia because she did win. It doesn't matter really how. They don't know the details. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, Echo also tried to kill her in the middle of it. Um, and she definitely faced some challenges. But given their circumstances, I, I mean, one of the main flashbacks I hope we get to see is Octavia's um, further transition from the girl on the floor to the girl leading the bunker. I mean, it's unbelievable. And Marie does such an amazing job. Uh, this tiny little thing as, as you know, I don't think they're going to call her Hedda or Commander. I think, Commander, I think those days are over, even though yeah. Gaia is in the bunker and she still has the chip, FYI. Um, I don't oh, think that's, that's right. I don't think that's going to come into play. If, if, if I had to guess, and again, just so you know, I don't know anything. This is all like BS <laughs> okay. speculation. I, I yeah. specialize in BS speculation. Um, I think that she will be the leader, but I don't think in any kind of commander capacity because they, they literally are one crew now. Right. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see like how her leadership of the Grounders will also interact with like Kane's leadership of Sky Crew. And Jaha. <sighs> Yeah, I guess if we ever see Jaha again. I mean, that's the thing. and I guess it's a big bunker. So we know that Isaiah's coming back in limited capacity as a mm-hmm. guest star. Uh, right. We we don't know how or why. And I know he's not everyone's favorite, but I'd be curious to see how they use him. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't help but be intrigued by Jaha all the time. So that little, the little aside, I think in 412, where Octavia finally gets her just desserts with Jaha. Ugh. And so gets that little, uh, that little bit of revenge. That was such a great moment for her. And Bellamy saying, "I don't remember electing you chancellor again." That was so <sighs> oh, good. Best. So I mean, satisfying. I have to say, I really love Bellamy this season. I know that last season again was controversial with the yeah. decisions he made, and mm-hmm. um, all of us didn't quite un- maybe understand. Uh, but I feel like they did a really good job, not course correcting, but making us really uh, see Octavia and Bellamy's relationship and also his leadership role, both um, alone and co-leading with Clark and the gang. I thought that Bellamy had a really strong season. I agree. Yeah, dealing with the fallout of what he did, I think was actually really well done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Sorry, di- we digress. We're talking about the Blakes here. Yeah, well, Oct- Octavia, I think, always has an understood discussion that Bellamy comes with her. Right. Um, you know, what do you think of the whole, I mean, if we're talking about the season as a whole, obviously Octavia has a, a tremendous arc. Um, the Ilian of it all, what did you guys think of him? I I really liked Ilian. I, I don't know if I was the huge fan of them together, but I really liked him by himself. Yeah, I feel like he was sort of one of the softer side of the grounders. Mm-hmm. He, like, I feel like he would have been friends with Lexa. And or at least yeah. respect, respected her tremendously, and he he had a, a pretty big heart. Um, yeah, I, I have to rewatch the season because I don't quite know how I feel about him and Octavia. I think like Nyla as a comfort to Clark, I think it was just a comfort and uh, you know a warm body for Octavia. And where like where I fall on it is just I was kind of like okay, um, I'm not <laughs> a huge fan of this, but I'll watch it. Right. Um, I liked him as a character. I think, like, yeah, he would have loved Lexa. I think he would have loved Lincoln. Yes. Yeah. That's That was the thing that was upsetting me most, watching their relationship. It's like, oh, the, he and Lincoln would have really liked each other. But you can see then why Octavia would be attracted to him. Yeah. Because he had the yeah. same sort of uh, exterior and interior, you know, and he was just warrior on the outside and not puppy dog on the inside, but had a sweetness to him and a mm-hmm. humanity to him that not all the grounders did. Exactly. And there was definitely, the way they set up their relationship with those cave scenes, 
I thought originally I wasn't really gonna like it, but the way they set it up where sort of Octavia was the one in charge, but also really needing reassurance, I really liked sort of those moments for Octavia where she had that moment of weakness where she just wanted to feel something. And I love that Indra is in the bunker with her and is, is her number one mentor yes. and the mother figure. Mm-hmm. And I want to see scenes with Indra, Gaia, and Octavia because what a dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who saw Indra being a mom coming? I mean, kind of, but the more of a mentor, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, Adina Porter's, as you know, spectacular as a human being and as a, as a, as a character actor, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I love that. American Horror Story and The 100, you know, she's been on every show every year, and these two have really put her on the map, and she's finally getting the accolades she deserves. Yeah, because um, I was first uh, shown her on True Blood. Yes. And she was incredible on True Blood. I barely recognized her on The 100 because she can just become anything. Totally transformative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I love that she's in the bunker. I mean, think about it too. Not only we have Echo and Amori in space, we have Indra, warriors like Indra in the bunker for six years, which is insane. Think about, you know, the clothing possibilities and Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's fascinating. And like what on earth are grounders going to do in a bunker for six years? With Sky Crew. With uh, Sky Crew. (laughs) Are they going to put on khakis and garden? I doubt it. (laughs) But then again... Then again, we might see more Sky Crew Grounder, you know, couples. But here's the big question. Everyone keeps joking about, you know, bunker babies and space babies. I'm not sure that they had the foresight to bring any leftover birth control before the earth burned down. That being said, I don't think season five is going to be the daycare uh, season. No, I hope not. I think there will definitely be a lot of hooking up and intersectional, intercross tribal uh, hookups. But I'm not Mm -hmm. sure that many babies will result, but we'll see. Right. I mean, just logistically, I don't think we could watch a show with that many babies in the apocalypse. I'm not sure we want to, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think I want to. Yeah. I mean, pets and pets and children are not the easiest to film, let alone in space and in a bunker, so. Yeah, can we all just say R.I.P.? Just, like, have a moment of silence for Helios real quick. <laughs> Seriously, everyone's obsessed with Helios. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that poor horse is, you know what? The horse was a night, but he's fine. He's totally Got fine. It. Maybe he had the magical night blood, horse night blood. We'll see. Or (laughs) Octavia brought him down. He's fine. Exactly. Maybe he found a big plot point in season five for sure. Maybe he he found the other bunker. It's like lost. There'll be different Dharma stations all around below below Earth. I would love that plot line though. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) I would kill to see outside of like Eastern United States. Mm -hmm. Right. I, mean, I want to see the whole of the world now. Well, the world is burned, so... Yeah. What's interesting is they had to get rid of all their sets because for four seasons they had different sets, including that great Polis set, and oh, everything yeah. is gone except right. for the bunker and the space sets, and they're both probably both interior sets. It'll be very interesting to see what they have to build in season five. And that's such a bummer, too, because that Polis set oh. was a work of art. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's terrific. Some people, from what I've been able to see, were actually really glad that Polis burned and they didn't like Polis. I can't, I don't know why, because I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, what a rich landscape, both like um, from the physical uh, uh, aspects of the town itself to the political history with the tribes. I thought Polis was terrific. Yeah, and especially my favorite little Polis detail was in Rowan's Ice Nation place where they had those huge bones. Yes. As... Like, I don't know where they found bones that big. Like, did they dig up a dinosaur? I don't know, but I loved it. It was very Game of Thrones. 
Yeah, it was it was totally Game of Thrones. Yes. And the people who think Rowan is alive, I'm sorry, I just don't think he is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he got stabbed and then he died drowning in Black Rain. And also, Zach McGowan is a very, very busy actor who's on a lot of other shows. Yeah. Listen... I want it to be true, but I know that it's not. Do you think he, like, made it into the bunker and he's just withering away, or...? <laughs> I just keep I thinking mean... of the time jump and thinking about how people like Jasper and Roan and Luna and Ilian, they've all been dead for six years. That's right. crazy. Right. Oh my gosh. And we'll get, well, I think we can come back to this point too, but I think a lot of people, and I know it's not a very long season, and I think a lot of people were justifiably um, frustrated by the lack of mourning for people like Jasper mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people's friends. I th- I'd like to think they would maybe address that in flashbacks because it's been go, 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 the world is ending, we will mourn Jasper when we're done. I would like right. to think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did like um, that one of the uh, prop artists put on Twitter that Clark has her gun strap has all the names of the dead scratched yeah. on it. I and love that, that. That was really cool. That was a great, really thoughtful thing to do. It was. Mm-hmm. And if, if there are close-ups of it, of course, because fans are fans. The, 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 yeah. the amazing fans are amazing. And you, if you look, it's not just Sky Crew. It's, the, it's Luna and Lexa and Aiden are on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Aiden. there's a, a lot of detail. It reminds me of, you know, on Lost, the Easter eggs they would put in the background for the fans who do screen grab and who do analyze everything. Mm-hmm. It was a nice this, touch. This show does have the sort of welcome analyzation that Lost definitely had. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And they think about it now because you're watching TV on, you know, in HD screens and and people have amazing Photoshop skills, so they have to think about those details. Well, that's how everyone found out before the show had even introduced it about the mining colony that wound up being mm-hmm. the big season five thing. You should You should explain that to people who don't know about that yet. <laughs> so... Basically, what they introduced in, I think it was 401, and then Jackson and Abby have a conversation about it in 405, is that Becca originally developed Nightblood to aid with companies in long distance, like, um, I think it was cryosleep for space miners. And the plotline of season five is going to be this mining colony from the Allegis Corporation who went missing but have now returned to Earth. Like, you know, so prisoners returning to earth basically mm-hmm. yeah and, and they, i have a question about that though okay hmm. if if they sent okay wait hmm, now i'm confused wait okay <laughs> so i just thought if they're if they all went up there like not even 97 years like 103 years ago they were in cryosleep so it's still the same people question mark or are they, like, not even prisoners anymore? They're, like, the grandchildren of prisoners. Who knows? Yeah. I have questions. I also wonder if maybe they needed supplies and went to a certain Gosai ring and maybe mm-hmm. took some new prisoners that we might be yeah. familiar with. Because uh, yeah. someone like Raven would be very useful. Mm-hmm. I think all of them would be, and if they yeah. if they figure out that Imori and Echo used to be live on the ground and they need to get to the ground, hmm, right. I mean, I can't. I, I figure why else would you introduce? You wouldn't introduce a ship of entirely new characters. There has to be someone familiar on it. And how convenient that a mining uh, ship showed up, and there happens to be a bunker that's buried. Oh my gosh, so convenient! Oh yes, mm. oh yeah, yeah. Because she said we tried digging them out, but there was too much rubble. Yeah. I was like, Clark, please go get your mom. I'm stressed about her. 
I know. Can you imagine, though, if like deep, deep, deep down in the bunker, someone hears someone trying to get them out. And for six years, they know that someone else is out there, but they would never in a million years think it's Clark. I mean, I love that. Yeah, that would be torture. Yeah. Oh. I do look forward more than anything else next season to the reunions, to Abby mm-hmm. seeing that Clark is alive, to the spaceship crew seeing the bunker crew, et cetera. I think it's going to be amazing, and they're all going to be, you know, age-appropriately looking. <laughs> and uh, I, I just think that there's so many amazing emotional reunions ahead. And it's wild that no one is no longer a teenager on this show. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> Some of well, them pull, pull it off better than others. That five-year-old <laughs> kid is now 11. True. Oh, yeah. Random five guys kid. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's true. Why and did then, you think of him? And then the Nightblood uh, that Clark has adopted, uh, seemingly right. taken under her wing, she looks to be about eight or nine. I don't really know. But I'd be curious yeah, to know right. where she was and where they have been, obviously, flashbacks for Clark and um, Maddie would be lovely to see as well. Yeah, I think Jason said that they're going to definitely at least tell the story of how they met. So I'm really excited about that because I love the idea of Clark sort of as a caretaker, but just of like one person. Clark has had a six-year sort of break from taking care of humanity. Oh my gosh, I love that too. It's interesting that it's a very specific choice to have the last scene focus in on Clark who seems free and happy, mm-hmm. despite obviously missing her friends and trying to get a hold of them every single day. She looks like the original Clark on the arc of the first minute of the show before she gets taken, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, drawing and everything. Yes. Yeah. It's a nice callback. And I think the thing that I really like about... And we're just jumping ahead to Clark, apparently. But the thing Sorry. I really like about... Um, I, I helped contribute to this. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Um, she kind of has elements of all the Clarks there. So yep. she's got, you know, Clark on the Ark with drawing. And then, you know, Clark with Bellamy talking to him. And then she also put that red back in her hair. Um, yes. Which to me sort of signifies Lexa. Yes, it's her time figuring her shit out. And then I just, I I call her Mad Max Mentor Mom Clark because of her new outfit. And I dig it. (laughs) That outfit is so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I I have a question about Maddie. Okay. Um... So if we put her at around, I don't know, like 10-ish, yeah. it kind of makes sense because that would put her at four when Prime Fire happened. And so it kind of makes sense, I guess, that they wouldn't have found her yet. Like, why yeah, wasn't she in the Conclave little. is my question. But I, I mean, I think that the reason why both she and Clark survived Prime Fire is because they're Nightbloods, but also that they were like, taking cover, you know? I feel like there's no way... Because we saw in the first episode, Prime Fire... Like, the Death Wave obliterated the pyramids. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to be in in somewhere really locked down to even survive. Like, like Nightblood's not going to save you from getting incinerated. No. (laughs) So, I don't know. That's why you saw saw Clark's face all jankied. I mean, obviously it saved Mm -hmm. her ultimately, but... Girlfriend was not looking good for a hot minute there. <laughs> no. Do you want to hear my crazy theory about Maddie? Heck yeah. I'm sure I haven't read anything, and I'm sure many people have said this, but I think she's Luna's child. <gasps> oh. 
Luna I left. I love that. Luna left, and she had that boyfriend Derek on the on the rig mm-hmm, in the in the mm-hmm. ocean, and maybe they hid her, and maybe there was. You know, maybe after meeting Clark at some point, she sent a message to the girl, like, if, if Prime Fire happens again, find Clark Griffin. It could be something where Clark came across her, you know, innocently or, or accidentally. I just feel like she could be, think about it, Nightblood has to have parents. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking it could be Luna's, which is sad, but totally amazing if there's flashbacks with Nadia. Yes, because yeah. Nadia's so good. I'm and just, has the best hair. And I, that's why I want to see more of Maddie's hair. Yep. <laughs> So that's my uh, conspiracy theory. I love it. You never know. Because the world is so tiny now. Like, people are going to all start being related to each other. Well, it's like on Lost when they were, you know, all these lives intersected without them even knowing it. It, it right. is literally a small-ass world now on the hundreds. So you never <laughs> yep. know. And maybe this is my wishful thinking because I loved Nadia so much. I'd like to see her back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was really sad when they killed her because I was like, I feel like there was so much more to do with Luna. Right. But we also, there's so many logistics, and I I hate to be the the downer when I say this, but TV is a business, as we all know. And so a lot of actors Mm -hmm. do sign on for one season arcs, and they know. That means they either know or they're fine with being killed off because they are going to do other projects. And so, again, I'm not saying that about Nadia because I have no idea. But a lot of actors um, do sign on to do really, really juicy arcs and then move on. And, and, and like, that's just the nature of this business. Yeah, I suspect that was the case with uh, Zach. Totally, yeah. me too. Yeah. Dude's got a career. <laughs> For Yeah, he's doing a movie with Bob. Oh, he is? Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that, uh, that movie about Hawaii that he's doing, um, Bob is in it too. Oh, the oh, controversial. I didn't know that. It's controversial because, yeah. you know. He's, yeah. Yeah, but that's a whole yeah. other podcast. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a whole other issue. Right. That there's been some really good think pieces on so far. Wait, we will let them, the people, handle it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry, we totally jumped ahead to Clark. You guys, if you want to go back to the bunker, like, I will share our, everyone's frustration that there was no cabbie in this episode. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, uh, and now I understand why, um, both Ian and Paige were not available for Unity Days because they were not right. in town anymore because they did not that film the finale. That was my first thought. <laughs> Me too. I thought, oh, they're just not in the finale. But I, I didn't assume the worst. Like, you know, gosh, they're dead. I just assumed mm-hmm. they were busy. And uh, they do have families, of course, young families. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, like everyone else, I love me some Kane and Abby, so it would have been nice just to see them even in the crowd like Jackson, you know? Right. Yeah. I would have been happy with just one little flash, and then yeah. I, could, I could be at peace. But that, I guess the previous episode was their sort of goodbye to us, just for now. Yeah. I mean, my thing was, like, if I don't see them in this episode, then it means the stakes aren't high enough for them to die. Right. So. <laughs> True. I'm fine. Maybe they were just napping. It's been a rough time. Exactly. They've got a lot of stuff to work out with uh, yes. Kane knocking her out and keeping her in the bunker. Okay, thank God. Hello, Dr. Abby. What were you thinking? I mean, I get uh, it, but, like, come on. Yeah. I was like, girl, this came out of nowhere. What's going on? Yeah. I have to say, for a season finale of a show like The 100, it was surprisingly low on the death count. Um, Yeah. Probably because throughout the season, so many people died. But this particular one, none of our main heroes died. Yeah, I thought for sure. Yeah, because I think think last last season was also kind of low. I think it was just Pike, right? Yes. Which, yeah. Yeah, And then, you know, the season before, it was just ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone in Mount Weather. Right. Actually, to be fair, everyone outside... Dad Miller, guys, we thought about Dad Miller. Dad Miller, RIP. He died, he died in Prime Fire for sure. There's room. There was room. 
I know. What if what if surprise they wound up taking him back in? We don't know. I mean, listen, <laughs> no the, spo- the spots for Raven and Bellamy, etc., and Murphy were empty, so. <laughs> so Kane was like, ooh, um, let, mm, let open that up again. We just right. gotta grab one more person. We're not gonna, gonna play up. favorites, but 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 grab Dad Miller. Okay, grab great. Dad Miller. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that we saw Miller in this episode, and I'm like, Miller, why are you not crying a million tears? There's no time, damn it. <laughs> he had Jackson right there. He's good. That's gonna have to do for now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I feel like. We all have our wish lists, and I think that taking time to do anything on this show is the most frustrating. We all mm-hmm. wanted Clark to sh- show more about Lexa. We all want, yeah. you know, there are so we. Everyone needs some more and more for Jasper for crying out loud. And I feel like, and I'm not defending the show. I think that there's just not a lot of time, and they they could do better at. Maybe they can slow down a little bit in season five. Not that there are with a prison ship landing, but to show in the flashbacks a time of conversation between characters. Right. Yeah, and that way it doesn't have to be extended. It can be like one conversation, and then there's an understood sort of narrative that they've been talking about this over the six years. Maybe in the bunker they do a small memorial for the friends they've lost. You know, even if it's just our little, yeah. our Scooby Gang originals from the Ark who are in the bunker and do a little moment of silence for um, Jasper and, and others, and not Riley, but Jasper. <laughs> and, uh, you know. What do you mean? Riley was the main character. Oh, boy. What? Her best friend, Riley. Yeah, that was an interesting choice of an odd one-off red shirt. But hey, you know, <laughs> R.I.P. Riley. Robin had a theory that uh, Riley was supposed to be Brian the whole season. Oh, ooh. And that actor went on to do, I think, a Canadian show. Uh, he does. It's a show on Freeform. Um, and oh, is it? Got, it? It got renewed. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's called Beyond. I could be wrong. Sorry if I got it wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, at least they didn't kill Brian off. He just walked oh, away from a, the relationship. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's interesting theory, and it could. There's probably some truth to it. It's like when Echo left Lost, they had to re- redo the whole storyline with, you know, with John Locke and Echo. Now it's Ben and Echo. Right. Uh, Echo. I said Echo. Wow. Yeah. No, I was like confused for a second. It, sorry, Mr. Echo left yeah. Lost, and so they redid that whole storyline with John Locke and and Widmore and Ben Linus. So you just, you know, depending on actor availability, sometimes you do have to adjust. Yeah. Is that why Mr. Echo disappeared? Uh, the actor said he hated Hawaii and he had island fever and what? wanted to go back to London, it's so what? he left the show. Yeah, he hated How Hawaii. How you hate Hawaii? And I he guess... wouldn't even come back for the finale. Yeah. <gasps> you know, he was one of the actors who was very vocal. And this is pre-social media. It would have been very interesting to see his response during an era of social media. But he went off the show and they were disappointed, but they did. They wrote him off the show and then rejiggered yeah. the storyline. And, you know, I think it turned out fine, but it's just sometimes you get thrown a loop. Yeah, it... I mean, as someone who sort of, I watched Lost, I think I watched season six live, but I I wasn't really in the social media sphere except for, um, oh no, they didn't Lost. Did you ever like do the live journal part of Lost? No. Random? No, because, oh my God. because I had my own blog. I didn't want anyone to think I took their theories. I never read anyone else's stuff and never went on oh, message boards. Idea. Yeah. I was uh, around for like the, the Benry part of Lost when everyone. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Henry Gale. Um, so I, I never noticed, like, for me, that was such a seamless transition for Mr. Echo that I, it never, they did it well enough that I didn't even notice. Right. And they had time to, whereas I think that, uh, on the hundred, um, I'm probably blanking. I'm sorry. I'm the man who plays Brian, but he, his show took off and he got renewed. What are you going to do? I mean, it just happens when you're, when you're a, a character actor and not a lead, you have probably in your contract then out to go be on another show. 
Well, it's the same thing with um, Reggie on Riverdale. Yeah. Right. You just sort of, you get a Netflix show and you're like, I gotta go do Netflix. Right. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure there are contracts and legalities that we'll never know about, but it's certainly frustrating to fans and I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with um, Isaiah's contract next season. It's really interesting to see how integrated Jaha is in the bunker. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. <laughs> that can't be heading anywhere good. No. I mean, it, no, I'm not going to comment. Okay, well, moving on. <laughs> I'm like, nope, keep your mouth shut, Joe. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to move on to, uh, back to Octavia. Yes, back back to Octavia. Um, ooh, can we bring up Prometheus? Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, so, um, Bellamy says that she's like Prometheus stealing fire, uh, to give to, like, the moral people or whatever, and she's like, Prometheus was chained to a rock. And it's been brought up that Stealing Fire was the name of the episode where Clark stole the flame and Bellamy was chained to a rock. Also, Kane and Abby kiss in that episode. Not that I have that memorized, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a thing. Right. It was an interesting choice. Um, I I have to say that one of my favorite aspects of Bellamy is he's such a book and history nerd that I I love the joy on Bob's face when he gets to reference these things. It's like, I feel like I'd be friends with Bellamy Blake because we would just sit there and talk about, (laughs) like, literary history. And I know on the arc, he probably just read everything that was there. And then, you know, I'd like to see... Uh, well, he's back. I was going to say, oh, he's not in the bunker. But I- I'd like to see Bellamy discover more books somewhere and just be in the corner like the little nerd reading. I feel like that would be on brand. That'd be amazing. Like, Bellamy, what'd you do for six years? And he it just has, like, an iPad. And he's just <laughs> been reading the whole time. He's like, there's nothing else to do up here. It's true, true. I, I, would, I would venture to say that uh, Bellamy is probably one of the more read, well-read people on, left on this show. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I think that the emotional points between Belle and O were really, really lovely uh, at the beginning of this episode when they were saying goodbye. And very well earned. Yes. It's mm-hmm. been rough. I mean, last yeah. year, last season, when she beat the crap out of him and said, you're dead to me, that was really, really harsh um, yeah. for everyone, I think, to watch. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's so, all of a sudden she's forgiving him. It's like, this is the end of the world, so I sort of understand why, mm-hmm. I understand why Octavia and Bellamy said what they did. I understand why... Clark was sentimental with Bellamy, etc. And I, I just, mm-hmm. there's so much going on. I understand it being the end of the world, why O and Bellamy had said what they did and had such sentiment for one another. And I also understand why Clark said the things she did to Bellamy, etc. I think that they didn't really know if it was a goodbye forever or a temporary goodbye. So I think that the emotional points were strong in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like um, Abby sort of absolving Clark of... Clark's, you know, three or four episode arc is, well, she thinks that her daughter's going to die. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that people were upset that Octavia and Bellamy had that goodbye. That's so. I, I haven't upsetting. read much, but I just got the sense that some thought it was sort of a, it was rushed or it, it wasn't earned. Oh. And, and to which I say, you know, uh, to me, I interpret it as the world is ending. You have to forgive and move forward or else you'll mm-hmm. regret it for the rest of your life. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely beautiful moment because you know it took Octavia so long to get to that place. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just and was, I was screaming at the screen though, like Bellamy, say you love her. The radio is gonna go out, and the radio went. <sighs> you know what? That's so... reminiscent of. Hmm. Hmm. This is awful. But um, <laughs> when 
Monty said I love you to Jasper yes. after he'd already passed away. Same, yes. No. I know. You're like, dude, can you just give it a minute earlier? Yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking because they know it. Both of them knew it. Um, mm-hmm. I know that Jasper knew it. Um, the fact, one of my, not that I have a favorite part of Jasper's um, death, but I just thought it was so beautiful that he was like, tell me you love me. And I just, I tear up thinking about it. I thought it was that Devin was just devastatingly beautiful in that scene. Yeah. It was so beautifully done. You know, Jasper's like, the consequences of that death aside, the scene itself was stunning. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought that it was filmed beautifully. I thought that the guys just nailed it in. The fact that they're, you know, best friends on and off screen. To, I m- imagine how challenging that must have been for them to really it pretend to say goodbye. And they probably, it wasn't hard to think and get emotional mm-hmm. because they really do care for each other that much. And that's this- why I thought it was so cool that Henry and Cusick directed it too, because mm-hmm. it was just sort of like a... A family affair Absolutely. in that aspect. Yes. Yeah. That but reminds so- me of... I'm just going to keep bringing up different fandoms. Please do. <laughs> this reminds me of um, when Fred died uh, at the end of Harry Potter, and uh, the twin that played George had to actually pretend that his twin brother died. I could do it. I, I, I'm not... Um, I'm, I'm a horrible fan. I've only seen the movies, and I have not read the books. <gasps> That's right! You haven't. So there you go. See, everyone has their thing. Claire hasn't watched yeah. Lost. I have not read the Harry Potter books. But oh my goodness. I have a few I have a few uh, things I need to fill for my pop culture um, mm-hmm. reputation, and that's one of them. I also have not watched Gilmore Girls or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I haven't watched Buffy either. I haven't oh. watched Buffy either. Brittany! <laughs> New podcast. We watched Buffy for the first time. Oh my god, I tried. At season one, it was so bad, and people told me to skip season one, so I probably will start with season two. Mm. I I have tried with Buffy a couple times. I think it's just it's past the time where I can watch it because there's so much other good stuff to watch. Well, we are at peak TV for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay, back to Bellamy. Um, <laughs> I just I really enjoyed the emotional notes that they hit this in this episode, and I think one of the best Bellamy Blake lines of all time was the Yeah, yeah, we know how we're gonna die. Tell us how we can live. When yeah. You ta- when you're yeah. we talking about getting the rocket up, I just thought mm-hmm. that. This is the Bellamy that like I know and love, and it's a re- yep. it's a return, and I'm looking forward to seeing leadership Bellamy up there. I think Raven and Bellamy, um, you know, are going to be amazing leaders no matter what happens. I mean, that's a great transition to Raven's whole storyline. Oh, dude! Oh my God, Raven Reyes is a superhero. She is not all superheroes wear capes, and Raven Reyes <laughs> is a rock star. Oh my God. I, I can see now why Lindsay was so excited about this season mm-hmm. uh, when we were at Unity Days. Like, yeah. you can, th- her arc was incredible. Oh my gosh. And think about the fact that she couldn't make day one of Unity Days because she was busy filming those scenes. She was probably spacewalking. She was probably spacewalking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And, and for those of you, sorry, who weren't at Unity Days, the uh, 100 fan event that was in January in Vancouver, uh, Lindsay could only make one day because she had to finish filming some special stuff for the finale. And now we know why. And the fans were who were disappointed. I and I was like, "You guys, that means she's in the finale. Let's let's make this is a good <laughs> yeah. thing. This is a good thing." But she came back. Poor thing had a cold, and she was so happy and so enthusiastic about the end of the season. And Bob and Eliza and the rest of the actors there were also genuinely psyched for how it ended. And now we understand why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because while I was watching the season, I was like, yeah, this is a really good season, but why was everyone so excited? Yeah. Well, think about now, it. <laughs> yeah. Now it makes sense. It's a reboot for them, too. It's not like they've been doing a lot of the same, but it gives them a chance to to expand their roles, their characters, and their mm-hmm. range in different ways over the 
the past four seasons and moving forward, perhaps you know, six years later to to uh, you know expand upon what we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really nice, uh, especially I think for Lindsay, because a lot of this season she kind of spent. Uh, Raven spent by herself or in her own head, and now she's up in space with seven other people in a leadership position. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, okay, the, 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 I will tell you that the line that made me cry was when Bellamy and Raven are in space, and they look back down, and Raven said, she saved us again. It's like, yeah. talking about Clark, it's like, uh, I, I mean, I, again, I'm completely biased, because I love me some Eliza Taylor, but, <laughs> uh, you know, Clark gets blamed for everything. I know, Hello. Yeah. Clark gets blamed yeah. for everything. Clark's always tried to save her people. And again, Bellamy and Raven and Octavian, all of them have been trying to save their people now, but Clark has taken the brunt of blame and misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for Raven to say that, and they probably do assume she's dead, um, it just touched me. I thought that was wonderful. We we know that Raven and Bellamy hooked up in season one. And when they first landed, yeah. it was everyone does yeah. everyone. Um, and it meant nothing. And they've moved <laughs> on. And they haven't spent a lot of time together in scenes or in the same location for mm-hmm. four seasons. And now they're on a boat, literally in the sky. Um, and <laughs> so you could go either way, Echo or Raven, again, or a third way is nobody. Um, and I know that people would love him to be with Clark, but six years, he's in the sky with other people. So we shall see. Do you know what I, I really don't want to happen, though? What? If Bellamy gets, uh, is in a relationship with Raven when he comes down, yeah. and then sees that Clark is alive, we really don't want this to be fit in 2.0. Can you imagine <laughs> if they come down and he's like, oh, hey, Raven, um, I like Clark better than you, again. I would like to think they wouldn't do that. I no, really would. better not. I mean, and, and whether he's with Raven or any other human being that they find in space, I also like to think that, that he's not going to, you know, Bellamy Blake is not going to turn into Finn under any circumstances, even for Clark, no. you know? Yeah. Now, I, I know it's, again, sorry, controversial. I strongly believe in and love the friendship and the leadership between Bellamy and Clark, and I Same. root for that, and I will miss them leading together, but I'm also excited to see them leading separately. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited for other characters to get a shot at the leadership thing, like Octavia and Raven. Yes! Oh my god, yeah. season five! Yeah, I'm really excited to see, like, how Raven adapts to, because, I mean, she's really great at space, but, like, how does she then turn around and give that knowledge to people who have never been in space? Like, I would mm-hmm. love to see her have, like, a sidekick, like, Amori, learning yes. engineering. Oh my gosh, you know she's up there teaching everyone with the, with the technology that they have left. Um, you know, the, the big elephant in the room is, is Allie still in the system up there? Right. Yeah, that's what I want to know. And is, is now... Is Raven immune to her after what she's put herself through? Does Allie, you know, is she able to integrate into someone else's psyche? I, I think there's interesting possibilities, and I don't know how I feel if Allie comes back. Okay, then I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Robin and I have been talking about this all season, but when Raven was having her hallucinations, did you think that that was Becca, or did you think that that was Allie as Becca? That's a really interesting question. It's like the smoke monster on Lost. You're like, exactly. whose form are you taking? I think it was Allie using Becca's physical form, but Allie's mind. So yes, I think that it was a manifestation. Same. Yeah, That's what I figured, because when you sort of look at her whole philosophy of like erasing Raven's pain, I was like, oh, that sounds pretty familiar. Yes. I mean, then again, uh, you know... Um, I will say this to the fans who say Raven deserves better or Clark deserves better. I'm like, listen, okay. Lindsay loves playing this role. 
And yes, yeah, she's been put through the ringer more than anyone else physically, arguably than more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. This is, I, and, but again, Lindsay loves playing this role and she like rolls her eyes when people tell her that Raven deserves better because what a, she is a woman of color and a lead on a television show with a disability. Yeah. And she's a freaking rocket scientist. It doesn't get much better than that in terms of challenging and rewarding. Mm-hmm. I, I love sci-fi. I love that sci-fi gives everyone the opportunity to do stuff like this. Yes. And I like to see six years in the future, maybe, maybe whether it's gravity or technology, Raven is able to relieve some of her pain in her leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe she rigs something up up there. Or like she creates her own sort of version of hydrotherapy where yes. it's zero G therapy where she can just float for a while. See, this is what I love. I, I think I think we're gonna see a lot of kick ass Raven and science in season five and I am here for it. Mm-hmm. Especially Raven coming across those miners who think that they can uh, <laughs> grab everyone. <laughs> She's gonna be like, hell no. Oh my god. Oh, you came to the wrong arc, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> or like maybe some of us want it to be more like it's orange is the new black and it's all women whatever it'll be really fun yeah. oh my god oh my god i would love that i mean think about the show is all female warriors it's mostly led by you know females and i think how what an interesting twist it would be if it was a ship of female like wardens guards and um prisoners just saying oh my god who would mm-hmm. be like your dream cast for leading that <laughs> mining colony? We have like a, several months. We should just um, tweet some ideas for who we'd like to be on the prisoner ship. Be like, yeah, this is a little bit mean. Like, who would my gay ass like to see the most? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know that my brain's already thinking about it. I'm yeah. like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> Hello, Jason Rothenberg. I am uh, straight out of film school. Uh, very hireable. <laughs> if you need anybody... <laughs> Just saying, I could be your prisoner. Put me in there. <laughs> yes. Put me in there. I'll be there. Orange is the new no, space. I would like to pitch Katie Sackoff. Uh, I would like to be on that ship if that is the case. Hey-oh! <laughs> hey, Starbuck, how you doing? Yeah. Robin, you would be like a, the perfect sl- sister slash daughter for Katie Sackoff. Ooh. Just two blondes. There you Sign go. Sign me up. There you go. That's a song I just wrote, I Listen, guess. Listen, maybe the female... I'm going to just run with this now. Maybe the, the female prisoners on this ship are... It's like the Handmaid's Tale where they keep them prisoners because they need to... Uh, you know, humanity is... They think everyone's dead and they need more people. So they keep women prisoners and they make them have babies. I'm just saying. And, and the women revolted at some point. Uh, totally. And that's why they took yes. the ship. They maybe... Raven took... Maybe... Here we go. Raven got on the ship was like, oh, hell no, let's go back down to Earth, and then we'll do it our own way. And then, yeah, I'm just saying. And they floated all the dudes. Uh, (laughs) Oh, totally, yeah. Sorry, this this is not necessarily the the feminist agenda for season five. We're just totally playing around, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's no misandrous things here. We're just having fun. We're just having fun. Okay, good. Plus, we love all our dudes on the ground. Oh, Mm -hmm. totally. Oh, my gosh. And the couple in space. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. I mean, a Marper baby would be cute, too. I'm just saying. Oh, that'd be so cute. And I also love the idea of, like, a Memori baby, because I think Murphy with a baby would be hilarious. Yes. Now, here's a question. How would that man raise a child? I can't wait. (laughs) Or as Tony Maggio says in her brilliant weekly recaps, the beautiful Mm -hmm. creepster. I love that she calls Murphy the beautiful creepster. (laughs) Yep. Because that is That launched the whole fandom revolution. Oh, my gosh. Still on brand. So great. Um, Should we talk about Monty and Murphy? Yeah, we should, oh, that that was great, too. Yes. You don't see them. I don't think, I think they said on Twitter they hadn't had a scene together since season one. Yeah. That's crazy. I know, but their worlds have not been, like, Murphy was out being Murphy for so much. Yeah. 
And, so and that's I, why Monty had no idea of Murphy's amazingness. Right. Well, he for, hadn't witnessed his character development. Right. He was still being a dick, but he was, you know, he had found love. And he found he was not just there for himself anymore. And I just think that, you know... I just, I love the dynamic too, that those two are now in space together as well. And there's some great bromance and friendships happening. Yeah. And I really love that, like, when Murphy says to Monty, like, what, I don't get a hug. (laughs) Oh man, Richard kills it. He's so good. He's so So good. good. When my two faves are fighting, it like takes years off my life. I was like, please be friends. Oh. I love, I really love Christopher so much, and I love Monty's growth as well. You know, we started, they started to get a sense of him and his loyalty uh, in Mount Weather, and he's just grown since then. And I hope that, like, mm-hmm. I hope with every relationship on this show, that we get more of Monty and not just Monty and Harper, and more of Harper and not just yeah. Harper and Monty. Yeah. I, I do, and you know, actually, and actually more of Imori. And I think the idea of yeah. her working closely with Raven is awesome. Yeah. I think my favorite thing um, with all of that is just sort of when you when we saw Chris at Unity Days and then you see Chris as Monty, yeah, oh and you realize how wildly different they are. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Like the joke at Unity Days that I still think is the absolute funniest thing that I've ever heard was when Chris was like, "Yeah, I live in like a garage by the PNE," <laughs> and everyone was like, "Ha ha ha!" And I'm like, "No, guys, you don't understand. The PNE is an amusement park in Vancouver. He yeah. lives in a garage near an amusement park. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard." <laughs> I think it's true. I absolutely believe it's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It yeah, kind of reminds me of of Hurley and Jorge. Yeah. You know, yes. like Jorge plays this character who's basically Jorge, but then you see some of Hurley's more emotional scenes, and you're yeah. like, okay, this this guy can act. He's really good. He's not just playing himself. And that's yeah. similar for Chris. You think Monty's a nice guy, Chris is just playing Chris. But right. he's not. Right. And it's interesting, because both actors, um, when they're not on screen, are way more shy, but super, mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. sarcastic. Uh, but just not in the public spotlight, which is interesting. Right. You know, like, which is a choice, and I think it's a healthy choice. It's a great choice, <laughs> and I really love seeing the difference between the two of them because, like, I ne- I didn't expect Monty to be so much faster than Chris. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, Chris is deliberate when he speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like. I think Chris is like a really, really smart sloth. He's yeah. very, very thoughtful, and I just yeah. think that just, he's just a sweet. Uh, genuine dude and so I think mm-hmm. I, and I like what he brings to Monty a lot and I, I mm-hmm. the way he he's starting to sort of deal with Jasper and and he's able to take it out on Murphy and then you know he'll be able to have people in space to talk to about I think that's very important for because he think about it he lost his mom he had to kill her basically twice he lost his yeah. best friend he is going to need to he's gonna have his own version of PTSD mm-hmm. yeah He's going to need some space therapy. Seriously. Maybe he needs, yeah. he needs to go float with Raven. <laughs> oh. I like this I like this idea. They, everyone ha- goes and works out their feelings in the zero-G chamber. I mean, so I'd like one right now. That'd be great. That'd yeah. be amazing. And can we talk about going back to Unity Days? I was thinking about how uh, Jess Harmon was, was cosplaying as Monty. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which, which is really cosplaying as Christopher. But Nyla is also in the bunker. And mm-hmm. so... She's also like the Lincoln and the Ilian. She's more of the softer side of the grounders. Yes. And she seems to have really bonded with Octavia. So I, I wonder, you know, what her role will be. But she's also very, very uh, experienced in, uh, you know, hy- she probably helped with the hydroponics. And so with the water mm-hmm. and the farming and uh, resources, I feel like she's going to be a really important role, in, hopefully, in season five. And also, Nightavia. I wonder, I wonder if, uh, 
if Octavia, whenever she needs advice, she can she can turn to Indra for things that are like this is the direct things that I think you should do, and maybe turn to Nyla for the well. Let's think this through a little bit more. Right. Yes, I think that Nyla is an amazing sounding board and friend. Um, obviously, Clark and her had a different relationship, but I feel like she is that person for the Sky Crew. Mm-hmm. So- I would also really love to see uh, Nyla bonding with Abby a little bit over sort of like their relationships with Clark. Yes, I also wouldn't, I think that it would be organic if we found out that Jackson and Nyla were, you know, working together and Jackson was teaching her more about the Sky Crew medical Mm -hmm. ways. And then she was helping treat the grounders who, for whatever reason, if they are hurt or sick in the bunker, because they're going to trust her. And she's sort of going to be a bridge between the, the Sky people and the tree crew. Exactly. Sort of the same role that Octavia played in season two is just sort of really brokering peace between the two clans in every area. Right. Yeah. And maybe yeah. I, that's also just because I want to see more Jess Harmon. Um, yeah. But yeah. If, if they open the bunker and then the kids come down from Earth or space, I guess they're not kids anymore. You know, we want to see Murphy and Nyla. We have to. Yes. We need to see Harmon. moment was not enough. We need more Harmons. We need Harmons in the same scene. Please and thank you. I couldn't believe someone had pointed out when um, Murphy and Nyla had that tiny little scene. I think someone had to tell me that that was both Harmons because they didn't yeah. register at first. Right. I was like, oh, that's Murphy and Nyla. And I'm like, wait a minute. But they never talked. And that's crazy. I know. I, I don't know if it's by design. It just, it's funny. But now, of course, we all want to see it. Yeah. 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 As long as, you know, Murphy doesn't flirt with her, it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> On every level, we'll be like, no. That's a whole different show. Stop, stop, no. This is not Game of Thrones. I don't think... Murphy flirts with everyone but that one, please. Nyla's not exactly his type. I I think he likes someone a little edgier than that. Yeah. Yeah. Though I did appreciate Murphy uh, flirting with Miller. Um. (laughs) (laughs) He just flirts with anything that moves. I think it's just Richard. He's naturally just this... He's a sexy, beautiful creepster. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing I want to see Murphy flirting with Jackson because I think it would be hilarious to see Richard flirting with Sachin. Oh my god! I mean, when and they're then not, when they're not wrestling like, in real life. Yeah, angered about. Yeah, exactly. Their little the the Jared and Sachin and Richard have such a lovely, beautiful like friendship in real life. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. I know. I love that they're all hanging out in a hotel room right now, doing like, their con wrestling yeah. moves. Yep. What's funny is I think at cons, most actors get the choice to room alone, but these dudes want to hang out with each other, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. God bless. Sachin was talking about how, like, they do cons basically because they're all best friends, and they absolutely just love doing it together. And I was like, I haven't really seen that other than, like, the Star Trek The Next Generation cast. Yeah. Like, these guys love each love. other. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting during their hiatus because they're all, you know, off doing vacation and family and filming other things, and that's why they like the cons, too. They all get to come back together. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And travel to amazing places. Uh, exactly. Yes. So, do I did appreciate, th- shout out to Unity Days for just happening in the city I live in. That was great. <laughs> Here's hoping it happens again next year. Yeah. Yes. I, yes, please. <laughs> okay, where were we? I forgot. Well, I have, wait, I have one point that, like, I wanted to bring up that I forgot to bring up uh, during the Clark time jump. Okay. Thing. And just that it opens with a shot of her eyes opening. I knew you were going to do this. And I think they did that on purpose and I liked it. 
I mean, there are a lot of, there's a lot of lost DNA in this show. Uh, but mm-hmm. in particular, and I love that Henry and Cusick was the one to direct the Not Henry, Not Penny's Boat episode. Yes! Where yep. Raven puts her hand on the glass uh-huh, uh-huh. and Sinclair puts her hand on the glass. I was like, this is, this is by design and I love it. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't watch Lost, we apologize, but we're never going to not talk about it. Um, <laughs> they better be used to it by this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But for sure, that was a, a nice aspect. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really nice touch. I loved that I was Henry in Cusick's episode. He did such a good job. He directing. really did. I mean, he probably must have be, uh, he had years to observe and follow, uh, you know, cruise around. And so mm-hmm. it's nice to be on a show where you have the opportunity to, to do that. And I hope he does again. I hope he does, too, because uh, his short film, actually, Sachin had watched his short film. And I was like, oh, my God, finally someone to talk about this movie with. Because it's, inc- it's incredible. It's a really interesting take on grief. Yes. And um, it's called Dress. And it just, I just had to flail about that for a second because okay. I love that. And is where, where so can we find it to rent it? Um, I believe he actually has it linked in his Twitter bio and it's on Vimeo. Excellent. Oh, okay. Good plug. Yeah. Good plug. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's important to plug the projects of the casts that we support and love because this is mm-hmm. their bread and butter and their passion projects in between seasons. And so mm-hmm. I love seeing them do all the indie films. And Devin is so excited about Oakja, which is this new awesome movie yeah. on Netflix. Yes. That, you know, and, 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 and. Uh, Devin is also I think he's going to wind up being an amazing director or producer he I think wrote and directed a a short film with Dean Norris from Breaking Bad and he's just very prolific and I think he's going to go on to do amazing things and I I, like you guys you when you really love a cast you want them to have success and Mm -hmm. so I love whenever I can helping promote projects of people that I that I enjoy and so yeah pimp out Ian's thing man (laughs) So back to the time jump. How do you guys feel? I love that it was so specific. Like, was it six years, seven months? It's like, that's a very specific time. Yeah, I think it was six years, seven days. Seven days, okay. Yeah, which is even more specific. Right, and there's got like, to be a reason. week for? There has to be a reason. I'm sure one of the awesome hundred nerds is doing the science and math out there to make sure that there is a reason for that specificity. And I'm sure mm-hmm. by the time season five happens, we will know why. Yeah. Someone said that it was because um, on the seventh day... It was supposed to be a day of rest, and so Clark was resting. Uh, that is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I see. Bravo to that. <laughs> I love creative fans. I love creative yeah. fans who are nice and interactive and constructive, and, like, that mm-hmm. is my bread and butter, man. Those are the people that I love. And it, Yeah, whenever people are just putting the most in, I'm like, yes, you are my people. Please keep theorizing, because I love it. Right. I mean, the fact that you guys caught the reference and the Easter egg to the mining company back in episode one. Like, how cool is it when you realize, when you saw that ship, holy crap, that was from episode one. They had this entire season mapped out to this very moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it goes even deeper, like, with Claire's second dawn slash Cadogan theory, which (laughs) is her baby. (laughs) I I love that, though, because it's just like, it's so rewarding when you're even remotely right about something. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, because you, you're you so dedicated to the show that you pay attention to the details that you can slowly possibly figure some stuff out. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like my favorite part. Like I'm studying right now to do journalism because I want to become a TV critic. And like, that's my favorite part of like being a critic is you get to theorize and people talk about it with you. And you're like, yes, yes, we're all having the same theories, like Westworld theories. Oh, like, yeah. Amazing yeah. Westworld podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the same fun. It is. That is a rabbit hole I enjoy tremendously. I need to rewatch yes. that season when they release yeah. it. Ooh, my Westworld pop figures are arriving today. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <gasps> I saw those when I, I was just in Hawaii, and I saw those at Hot Topic in Hawaii, and I was like, no, nope. you can't bring those back. Nope. You, <laughs> you, you can buy them, but not from Hawaii. <laughs> yep. 
That's hilarious. I, I remember when Westworld was on and I was listening to your podcast, Joe. Yeah. And I would like go to school and people would try to talk to me about it. And I'd be like, well, here's all the theories. And then when they came, <laughs> when they came true, people would be like, you are so smart. And I'd be like, thank you so much. That is, <laughs> this is exactly you. 10 years ago when I started theorizing deeply about Lost. People uh-huh. would start like, before Facebook, it was MySpace. And then I had an email newsletter. Yep. People would cut and paste and send it to their coworkers. And everyone would be like, I totally knew that because Joe figured that out. <laughs> and it was it was so much fun. And so pre-Twitter, everyone was super nice and super, you know, into being constructive and sharing. And of, of course, I would like to say that 99% of that is true now. It's just that the yeah. 1% is louder. And that is what we know mm-hmm. from the negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, the quieter fans are usually the most amazing and the most generous. Uh, that being said, back to the speculation, this is the beauty of it. Look at the amount of podcasts for The 100. Look at the amount of podcasts for shows like Westworld. And mm-hmm. this is amazing time to be a fan of television. If you really, really want to enjoy a show, you listen to the podcast. You read the articles and the recaps. If there's so many layers that didn't used to be. So I, I just want to say that I appreciate you guys still doing this because it's so time intensive. And I tried it. And I'm much better at being a guest and then walking away. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, we have so, so nice. much fun. Yeah. It is fun. It's fun to speculate. I think it's healthy discussion. It 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 is. And it's it's a it's a thing that I think a lot of people don't appreciate as being actually really intellectually stimulating. Yeah. Yeah. Because people kind of dismiss it as, oh, you're talking about TV. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's layers to this. There, yes. There's philosophy and history and politics. And it's there's mm-hmm. so many layers. And really, it, what's changed, thanks to social media, too, is the writers of these shows are listening to the fan podcasts. And it mm-hmm. means the world to them that the words they have written and the characters and the worlds they have built have, have, have touched people's lives and changed them. The, the amount of people that have been changed for the better because of... Clark Griffin, Raven Reyes, yeah. Bellamy Blake, yep. Octavia Blake, and so on, is startling. And so I like to focus on that. I like to focus and think about all of the amazing lives that have been touched and people who have been inspired to either work on themselves or work on being better humans for other people because of a mm-hmm. television show. That is powerful. And so it means a lot to the fans. It means a lot to the cast. They see and read, you guys. I mean, I know that they're not on Twitter a lot. I'm not just talking about the 100. Actors, trust me when I tell you, they they read what's out there and they take it to yeah. heart. And so that's why I get so upset when... Certain people think that they have the right to treat actors as if they're not human beings. Or Mm -hmm. actors don't write the roles. And most actors love being employed and love the roles they're in. And I don't mean to get on a a little bit of a a soapbox here, but I am lucky in that I work with a lot of casts because of my charitable endeavors. And I have started some private consulting with actors from various shows about how to leverage the social media to, to encourage fans to... Uh, for the greater good and so I see the joy and the pain on both sides of it and I just that's why I'm always encouraging people to choose kindness and again it's not just this fandom I'm not being specific I'm very very tied into the 100 fandom for better or worse Um, and uh, I just trying to encourage people to follow the lead of people like Eliza Taylor and her body positivity people like Raven Reyes people you know and I'm sorry like, like Lindsay Morgan and her battle scars I just think that there's there's so much amazing good to be done in a dark world. And if you if you really, really love an actor, follow their lead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I, I think that people uh, on social media really feel entitled to every aspect of someone's life. And when they don't do what the people like what people on Twitter want them to do, they get very angry. Right. And it, it, it's it's so unfair because these actors 
are doing their best just like the rest of us. Right. And they, you know, it's a double-edged sword because they want to have a social media presence and they want to be engaged and they want to promote, but they also receive some vitriol that is unwarranted. Yeah. And I mean, there's only, I, uh, the nice thing that I've seen sort of over the last year is uh, people in the 100 fan of really working hard to, you know, report people who are really abusive and things like that. But, you know, as social media gets bigger, it's just, it's becoming, it's this huge monster, which is why I love your choose kindness sort of campaign at this point because it really reminds everyone what is important. Yes, there's on, everywhere. There's a lot of negativity out there in, in the world and people are scared and I understand that sometimes mm-hmm. the reaction is to go to social media and sort of take out your feelings and, and, and emotions on other people but I always just say pause and for perspective because there's people on the receiving end of these tweets. Whether it's a famous actor or another fan, they're human beings and think about, like I always say, look in the mirror and say the tweet out loud. Would you want your parents to hear what you're saying, would you be able to look yourself in the mirror tomorrow after tweeting this to an actor? Like, I I don't know. I can, people don't care. People who care, care. People who don't, don't. If we can, yeah. if we can sort of change some people to lean about thinking before they tweet, then our job is done. Exactly. Love so, it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. We digress. <laughs> I, no, I, I loved it because I love hearing your perspective because you, you get you take so much from fandoms. Like, you take a lot of crap, so. I do, but I have I, to say. I don't know how you do it. Uh, it's practice. Um, <laughs> for the most part, everyone is kind to me because I not only promote Choose Kindness, my my focus is channeling fandoms toward the greater good. My focus is mm-hmm. raising money for cancer charities. Uh, my mother-in-law is dying of cancer right now. Every single person out there oh, is awesome. touched by cancer. And so yeah. it's just it's just about perspective. So this morning, a bunch of fans were yelling at me and calling me racist, which is hilarious, um, for various reasons on Twitter. And I, I'm not going to let that seep into my skin because it's I'm sitting here working on a charity auction for the 100. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the generosity, not just of the actors who are signing these items, but the fans who are reaching out and creating art of their favorite characters because they want to help raise money because their grandma, they lost their grandma to cancer. That is what I mm-hmm. focus on. If you have something to focus on that isn't and you can remove yourself from the negativity of social media and not take it personally, that then you will be a more successful human being. I That's... Beautiful. And actually, um, I make custom pops. Like, I make custom Kane and Abby pops, so I would love to donate those to Cancer Gets Lost oh if my gosh. you would like them. Uh, heck yeah! Thank you so much. That would be amazing. Um, I might, if, if Ian goes to Comic-Con, I will certainly bring it to Comic-Con. Um, oh, awesome. He, I sent him one, like, a year ago, so, but the beard has now developed, Ooh. so now... A beard one needs oh to my be God. Made. <laughs> a, a beardy cane pop would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> and as we know, Funko has not yet released a cane and Abby pop. Maybe in, in you know mm-hmm. the the second round, but um, and maybe maybe depending on where Paige is because she's busy, I can send Paige hers too to get signed. But that would be even if they don't get signed, amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I would be honored. I we we of the Cabby fandom are very very supportive of. Cancer gets lost. We're so excited about that signed page cover. We're already planning how to everyone share it. So, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sorry, we, yes. I know we're going off on tangents, but that's what the, that <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I'm having a ball. Yes. Why don't we just get back on topic and talk about just Clark? Oh, I listen. Before I knew Eliza, I always said that Clark Griffin wind up being one of my favorite characters of all time, male or female. Right. I just think that she's so interesting because she's human and flawed, and she's literally head and heart and especially for the show she is the heart of the show still even though to me 
My personal opinion is that she's been sidelined a little, and I get it. This is a large cast. There's a lot of story. Mm -hmm. The first half of season three was, you know, Crazy Clark in the Jungle, um, and then going to Polis and Lexa. And I, of course, loved certain aspects of that. But I love that this season ended where it should and where it all started, which is with Clark Griffin, Mm -hmm. with uh, Clark 2.0, or maybe even 3.0. Yeah. Because... Clark, in her heart and her soul now, is a leader, is a true leader. And now she is a mentor and a mother figure. And she's learned so much from the people that she has been with and the people that she's encountered since she's been on the ground. So I just think it's fantastic. I'm so excited because you can sort of see, I mean, actually, yeah, no, I have a, I guess I have a question more is like, how did you feel about sort of the dark Clark turn in the back half of the season? (sighs) Um, it's complicated for me. I, I, I am not a fan of passive aggressive Clark. I'm not a fan of a Clark that would listen to Jaha. Um, I, I missed original Clark a lot of, um, the last two seasons. Uh, and I, I'm, I am allowed to be openly critical and in a constructive way. Listen, one of my my best friends is on the writing staff. So I am allowed to be this way. And I say it, I say it to them as well. Um, so I sort of, not forgot about, but I'm focused more on this last half of season four because this is the Clark that we all know and love and root for. Um, and I just, I kind of understand why they had her um, a little more dark, but I I prefer light Clark. I prefer driven, mm-hmm. yeah. motivated, do anything for her people Clark, and that is where we're at now. What do you think, Robin? I think I've pretty much talked about it from, you know, <laughs> all season. But I also, you know, wasn't a huge fan of passive-aggressive Clark. I feel like Clark is smart enough to make her own decisions. And and the fact that she's been going against chancellors like Pike and Kane and Abby, and then the the chancellor that she decides to listen to is Jaha, is just strange to me. And I get I get the parallels to what happened on the arc and the leadership with Abby and Jaha and Kane, and I, I get it. Yeah. And I appreciate the callbacks. I just, I'm really glad to get back to Clark has a plan. Like, when she shut mm-hmm. the door to the... Um, shelter to the to the bunker i was like oh hell no what is happening she has to have a plan i'm upset about this like i just didn't think it was very clark of her to do and then i thought lexa at the mountain i did what i have to save my people and i thought about Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. legacy and leadership of of lexa and how that affects clark and they're totally different human beings don't get me wrong and i just think that um in addition to lexa that uh the leadership of kane and abby and bellamy and raven is influencing clark but I was just thinking mm-hmm. about the parallels there. But I think that uh, I was thinking about the time jump and seeing Clark alone on Earth. And um, I know this might sound strange, but one of my first thoughts was Lexa would be proud of her and not at all be surprised that the last human being on Earth above ground is Clark Griffin. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's strange. I think that's perfect. Yeah, I just she's a survivor and she she's so smart on her feet. Um, the whole tower scene was incredible. You know, if you yeah. can he- if you can hear me, don't wait. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I gone play heart- <laughs> Yeah, when she said my fight is over, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, all season long, people are like, oh my god, Clark's gonna die, and I thought, there's no way they're gonna come to leave character. And then that scene happened. I was like, um, what's happening? <laughs> P- hold me. Like, hold are me. they gonna do it? <laughs> right, because it's it's pretty ballsy. Uh, you know, yeah. and really to kill off anyone, let alone the, lead, the, the heart of the show. Um, so obviously it turned out well. But <laughs> I think for the most part, just from fan responses on Twitter, people seem to really dig this time jump and her new look. Mm-hmm. 
I have oh, a question. Yeah. yeah. Do you mm. guys think that I'm just wondering about the fact that she call, tries to call Bellamy like every single day? I think I'm trying to decide whether I think that it was like he couldn't hear her at all or like he could like they could hear her every single day but they had no way of getting back to her or or maybe the prisoners are the ones that heard her thing and that's why they came to her or something I don't know I think it's a little, oh, a a little both. I assume yeah. I assume that Bellamy and Raven and, and et cetera are sitting at that radio and can hear her every day and are trying to get back. Um, and that yeah. they know she's alive. I also think that this signal was interpreted at some point, or intercepted rather, by the prisoner ship. And that's how they knew there's someone on Earth, which means it's inhabitable, which means we can go back. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> right? Yeah. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> a lot of time to, uh, to theorize in the next few months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the emotional angst of uh, Bellamy and Raven and everyone being able to hear Clark... Yes. That's good stuff. Right. That That's going to make yeah. for an amazing drama, and I love it. And, you know, it is it is a specific choice. She did choose to talk to Bellamy every day and not Raven. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and of course, she's not going to do it to Murphy. He's, they're not BFF. Amori uh, <laughs> or Echo or Harper or Monty. So, yeah. you know, the logical choice would be Raven or Bellamy. And, you know, I think, I think it is telling that she is choosing him i'm not reading too much into it i know that you know there are a lot of people out there again who root for blark um and i'm not saying that that's why um she is choosing him to me like they are sort of each other's rock and in in friendship and leadership and yeah other people would say love and that's fine everyone's everyone interprets it different ways um and which is which is total they're all valid it's It's like it's it's fine it's healthy it's it's healthy when you're polite to one another and you can have a, a respectful conversation about that um, like I say now, the only thing I ship is packages. It's true. I ship, <laughs> I, I ship packages for my charity auctions, and that is my safe space. And so, it's true. That's brilliant. I have learned. But you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, I have learned. Um, you know, I need to be more um, accepting and understanding of ships being even if they're not if they're you know in your head canon and they're not canon. Mm-hmm. I understand there is a there is a validity to people rooting for a couple that's not together, and it took me. A year of interacting with fans to really come to understanding and and um, I want people to know that I totally uh, respect whoever you root for and that doesn't make me a traitor to my community <laughs> no it does not that's no. my least favorite thing is like I don't ship like Be- Bellark's not my thing I was more into like Klexa but you are not a traitor for understanding where another side is coming from and I really hate that rhetoric that you that like anyone is right like, I, I think it's hilarious people think I hate Bellamy. I'm like, you guys. <laughs> I may not root for them romantically, but I love Bellamy Blake, and I've always loved Bellamy Blake. It has nothing yeah. to do with who he winds up with, you know? Exactly. So, That's not who people are. They're right. not just who they get in relationships with. Exactly. This is why I like being on your podcast, and I shouldn't interact <laughs> on Twitter and engage, rather, because I need to stay more neutral. And I think it's very clear where I stand, which is that I love the show, and I love the people on the show, and I love the fans who are polite, and that's sort of where I need to sort of stay, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and you know, it's again, it's not just this show, it's fandoms in general. And I have yeah. the great fortune and pleasure of working with 99% of fans from every show and film who are lovely and wonderful yeah. and constructive. So I do want to focus more time and energy on them and give them a shout out for being wonderful and compassionate because they are the reason that we have podcasts and we have Twitter yeah. accounts and, and we have any kind of access to the actors who want to talk to us because they're polite and lovely. 
Yeah, and oh, it's just it just warms my heart when everyone actually works together towards this sort of greater good because it means all the petty stuff falls away. Yes. You know? So the ship stuff doesn't matter as much, but I hate that we have to always put disclaimers where it's like, I'm not saying something bad about this ship because I'm talking about this relationship. I just... Right. Like five years later, can I just still say, I love Bellamy and Clark's relationship as friends. I think they're amazing co-leaders and friends. And people still get mad at me about that. I'm like, listen, that is my opinion. My name online is not Joe not opinionated. It is, <laughs> it is Joe opinionated and it has been since 2005. So How did you come up with that? Um... Back in the day when the internet was just really taking off and social media in terms of like the MySpace of it all uh, and yeah. Live Journal and all of them, um, I just thought I need a moniker. I don't want to use my real name. And um, why I've always been outspoken, hard on my sleeve, and I was just looking at the word opinionated, and I thought, let me put a J in front of it. And then I bought the URL in 2005, and it sort of uh, went from there. That's brilliant. <laughs> See, here, here at the Aficionados, we really love words within words. Yes. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, indeed. That being said, I try and be um, a polite human being because I do run a charity in my spare time. And so I do, tr I am a compassionate person. I try to understand all sides. And if you're not calling me names, we're going to get along just fine. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that was like the great part of Unity Days was all people who love all ships and all yes. characters coming together to have a good time. It's mm -hmm. really hard to explain to people who weren't there, but it was 100% wonderful in terms yeah. of people getting along and everyone in lines waiting to get, you know, photo ops and, and meet and greets and panels were talking about fan fiction and why they love this mm -hmm. character. And there was not one mean conversation to be had that I could glean. And let me tell you something. Mm -mm. Uh, I had the uh, unique position to be in the green room in between panels and the cast was having such a great time and they were relieved. They were a little bit hesitant, I think, before, you know, to have a con all about the hundred in their backyard where they film, um, yeah. you know, and such a variety of fans. But they also knew and appreciated that they flew in from all over the world and they were so yeah. into the show that they wanted to spend their money to see them talk about it and take pictures with them. And they, they really dug the energy of this con and how casual it was and that they could walk back and forth and not be bothered and that fans were super respectful to them and to each other and they could see that yeah it was awesome i i was hoping that they could because we for, for me it was really important that everyone respected and made them feel very comfortable and in turn like they like you know bob was jumping off the stage and coming to introduce himself to us mm -hmm. which highlight of my life probably I, I love that he's like hi i'm bob and you're all Evan's like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> but that was very cute. Like, I'm Bob. Uh, okay. Hi, Bob. Hi, yes, Bob. I'm aware. Hello. Your freckles are beautiful up close. I mean, you guys made them very comfortable. All the fans did, and that's very important. And that's why it was a fun con and why we hope it happens again. And I think the fact that it's in Vancouver is very convenient for them when they're filming. Yeah. I mean, thank you very much to Liana and Maya yes. and Linda for organizing yes. that. Seriously. It was great. What a, what a pleasure. And they're all Edmonton girls, too, which cracks me up, because Robin's from Red Deer, which is about an hour and a half outside of Edmonton, and I am from Edmonton, so. Oh, wow. It's a very Alberta-centered. That's right. That's why we had the, uh, the actual, the Edmonton panel. Yeah, the, yeah, the Alberta panel. Oh. That made me so happy, because I was like, yes, I speak this language. I had to do some research, because I'm like, I'm a California girl, and I'm doing a panel of <laughs> actors from Canada. Okay, great. Especially, like, of all places, it's Alberta. Right. Yep. Listen, before this show, my biggest, like, draw to Alberta was that Katie Lang is from there, so... Yeah. Ah, you need to ask Claire about the time she met Katie Lang. Well, eventually Lily's from Alberta. There you go. Exactly. Aww. Yep. Sweet Evie. Yeah. She's, 
She's a good one. We really will. We, we make them good in Alberta. Yes, you do. We went off the rails here, didn't we? We always do. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm sure we're missing major plot points. Are we? Uh, no, well, I, think we, I honestly think that we hit most of it. Yeah, because the big thing was the time jump, right? Yes. yes. So So what do you guys think of Maddie and the Nightblood? Like, do you... Like, I'm, I, I have no idea where they're going to go. Is it important that they're Nightbloods because it saved them, or is it important because they're going to be leaders again? Are they going to implement a new system of leadership? Hmm. You know, I'm very curious to see how that's going to work. I loved it just because I love the idea, like... I love that there's a kid. I don't know. I, I guess some people don't like that, but I love it. And I also love that it sort of gives Clark a very uh, season one Abby vibe. Yes. Where it's like anything to protect her kid sort of thing. So I love the idea of Clark as like a mom or as an adoptive mom. I think it's fantastic. Agreed. I, I just like that Clark isn't alone. Because yes. Clark likes yeah. to, when she does something big, she goes, okay, well, I'm bearing it so you don't have to, so I'm going to go by myself now. And so I'm just glad that she hasn't spent six whole years by herself because mm-hmm. you can't, you just can't. And actually, it's interesting. We don't know when she found her, so it may not have yeah. been six years. But they're very True, comfortable, yeah. very comfortable with each other, A. B, how is the rover intact? Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah. I know you have to suspend your disbelief because you guys, come on, she was yeah. like melting in a lab, but whatever. Like, it's that show. You suspend your disbelief. It's totally fine. Um, I was... And still operational. Like, Clark had six years. She rebuilt it. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. solar panels. There's still sun out there. It's great. Um, <laughs> and there's one patch of green, so we don't know how she's eating, but she looks great. So whatever work, keep up your own diet there, girl. You look great. What water is she drinking if there's acid rain? We don't know. We don't know. For all we know, she does the hydroponic farming somewhere in that little land. <laughs> we can assume the best. She's Clark Griffin. She's resourceful as F. I'm going to say that she probably cannibalized Becca's lab. I think so. Mm. And that's how she did it. I think so. And probably, I would like to say that, that that lighthouse bunker seemed pretty, I don't think it would survive, but maybe some shit was found afterward. I don't know. Let's just yeah. pretend. It just occurred we, to we me that it. when she wakes Maddie up, she says, no lessons today. So what do you think she's teaching her? Well, you know, she saw Lexa and the Nightbloods and Aiden. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that they're, you know, I think she's probably teaching her earth skills, but not in the way that Pike did. Um, <laughs> I think that she's teaching her... Probably, if I had to guess, traditions both Grounder and Sky Crew. Which I think is great, because I would love to see Clark sort of teaching her the legacy of both Sky Crew, and then, you know, for my own personal reasons, I'd love to see her sort of impart Lex's legacy. I absolutely think that's part of the lesson, and the the legacy Mm -hmm. of the leadership. And I love... There's so much to love about that final scene. I mean, just, they really, really nailed it. I just... Seeing Mm -hmm. Clark happy and free for a brief moment was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, that was... It felt like a breath of fresh air after sort of four seasons of stress. Yes, and really, mm-hmm. if we think about the the circumstances being opposite, she is the grounder now on the ground, and this ship of strangers is landing on her ground. And so it's the opposite of when the Ark crashed there. It's going to yeah. be so interesting. I'm so excited about it, and I'm excited to see, like, sort of what the narrative does in terms of, like, you know... You know, are the do the miners feel like they're entitled to that land? Like, what what are going to be the political motivations yeah. behind that? They're going to be the hostile. They're going to be the others lost. They're going to yeah. be they're going to be <laughs> the space grounders because they're going to be like, this is our land and we're brutal. So, <laughs> it's like you can look at Echo and Amori and go, "You're Sky Crew now." Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's so cool. I know. I love that. I love that. I love that aspect so much. And really, it's just nice that we're going to see Tazia and, and uh, Luisa again. 
I'm so excited that Tazia just got promoted to series regular. She did. Oh my god. Yes. So exciting. So good. So yeah, that I'm so excited to see more Echo because. You know, we've known Echo since season two, but we haven't really gotten to dive into Echo as much. For sure. And, you know, what a brutal upbringing she must have had. And she spent time like, in, a, in a cage. She spent, you know, watching bl- the bloodletting of her people. She worked for evil Queen Naya. She Naya. was a trained spy and one of those Ice Nation grounders that was heartless and ruthless. And yet, we know that's not exactly true. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there's going to be any kind of, or do I want necessarily Echo and Bellamy to get together, but there's a groundwork that they set up back in Mount Weather that there is... Yep. An interesting dynamic. There's a, bond. There's a dynamic yeah. between these two that is, if they become BFF, so be it. I mean, they could learn a lot from each other in terms of leadership too. Yeah, that was why they're seen together, where Echo kind of had chosen to not go up into space, and Bellamy kind of talked her out of it. That was a beautiful scene. Yes, yes, for sure. She's doing the same sort of thing that the assassin did in last season, right? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah this is the same kind of ritual. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to her, she just probably didn't feel like she, not only was she probably terrified, she probably didn't think she earned it or deserved it. Right. Yeah. I just, because, I mean, Rowan had banished her and then died. So, like, her last point of contact with her people is gone now. Right. And she just doesn't necessarily think that Imori is her people yet because, you know, they are, yeah, right. they are different, but they are the same. And now they all are the same. I'm just excited that we get to see the layers of Echo that we have not seen yet. I think there's a lot of interesting territory to be explored uh, for her individually, but also as part of the space crew. Yeah, I really want to see her interact with Imori, too. I really want to see sort of whether or not they bond as two people who are from the ground or if they kind of have sort of a standoffish thing as former rival clans. Right. So I, I guess Amori doesn't really have a clan, does she? Yeah, no, I she... think it's really cool that they chose two grounders that neither of them have, like, a place anymore. Like, Echo even yeah. said it in the episode, but they chose two grounders that don't really have a clan. And if you think about it, Bellamy, you know, his sister, Octavia, was forced to live under the floor and was mm-hmm. forced to figure out her... Own. And I'm not saying that Echo and Octavia had similar trajectories, but I think that Bellamy can bond with Echo in the sense that she it took this to figure out who she really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of Echo's identity crisis, and Bellamy can definitely help her with that. Yeah, I think that... I don't know that Imori and Echo work together, but I think they'll make themselves useful in separate ways. Yeah. You have to. Plus, I... I really want to see Echo's attitude come up against Murphy's attitude. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right for comedy right there. Yeah, it's just a sass off. And you, you've got a, re- a lot of really sassy people in space, and then you've got, like, Monty sitting there going, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I always said, like, in the end, that Raven and Monty be the ones to save the day, and they kind of were, and I just love that. Mm-hmm. And I, their brains together, yeah. their brains of the operation, oh, so yeah. great. Sexy brains. Smart smart little nerds. Totally. Oh, poor Monty. My heart my heart goes out to Monty almost more than anyone for what he has been through. And I hope that he finds some peace, whether it you know be focusing on fixing the spaceship or I just hope that he finds some peace. Do you guys think that his hands are going to have healed in six years or do you think it's going to be irreparable? Hmm. Uh, I think if anyone's going to have advice about that, it'll be Amori. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know? Good point. And then, like like Imori, I think that Monty would be like, or like Raven, like, you know what? Build your own brace. You move on. You do what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. You adapt. Yeah, exactly. I would also really love to see that, um, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe Jasper's note made it up with Monty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just so that he has sort of one little part of Jasper left. Right. 
That would be nice. Or he, what if he pulls the goggles out of his backpack or something? Yeah. <gasps> oh, that'd be amazing. I know. I just gave myself goosebumps. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that would hurt. <laughs> I miss those goggles. But I think the show does interesting touchbacks and callbacks and, and sentimental ones, so we can hope. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think it's interesting that, you know, I, I like that Gaia is still in the bunker, and I think it's going to be great having Indra there, but she does have the flame. Now, the flame is it still exists, and there are Nightbloods. You know, do they reinvent? Do they, how, I'm very curious to see how any kind of leadership on the ground happens when they're all reunited again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to see, like, I, I, I kind of, when there was a question of whether Clark was going to take the flame, I did briefly want Clark to take the flame just so that I could see the other commanders. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I definitely want to, I, I, I certainly don't think the show will ever get Lexa back, but I, I like the idea that Clark would be able to sort of visit Lexa or the other commanders and talk to them and get advice from them. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, Clark, at some point in her six years, was hallucinating and spoke to Lexa. Uh, what you know, when yeah. she was by herself before she met up with Maddie or during, because girlfriend must have lost her mind. Yeah. Found how many how many stories do you think Maddie has heard? Like, do you th- she already knows <laughs> the premise of yeah, all does she know four everything? other seasons. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's caught up. I mean, what else are you gonna do besides talk? Uh, yeah. And you know, learn to shoot and and hunt. And so there's no Netflix in the apocalypse. And I just said hunt, but there are no animals, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, how um, do they eat? Uh, you know, we're gonna again suspend your disbelief. There is probably a logical explanation that we'll get in some kind of exposition one-off in season, you know, in episode five hundred one. I'm totally yeah. fine with that um, because I'm just too focused on the post-apocalyptic awesome outfits that they have. Yes, and I'm that so ready for it. I'm I'm here. Like I said Mad Max mom mentor Clark. Let's bring it on. Love it. I'm also ready for Clark to have a secret tattoo. I think Clark should have a tattoo. So what would she use to make the tattoo? I, d- I don't... Th- listen, the logic <laughs> is not up to me. <laughs> I didn't think it through that far, but I figure if she can figure out hair dyes, she can figure out tattoos. Okay, I totally buy that, and I'd like to think yeah. that you are right. Thank thank you. Perfect. I mean, I still want to know when Octavia got a tattoo. Yeah, True. I want more information. <laughs> that one surprises me less, because she's just, like, resolute and badass and wanted to make it happen, so she did, and Polis had supplies, so I just feel like that one made more sense, but I am, I, now I want to see Clark with a tattoo. Okay, let's make it happen. Okay. Yeah. I feel, I, I want her to have, like, uh, like a tattoo of, I don't know, to honor everyone. I feel like it would be a tattoo of the earth with a tree growing out of it. Yes. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I like the brainstorming tattoos Clark would have. Yeah, I'll pass it on. It'll be great. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> I think Clark's an I mean, artist. She's an, she can draw. She's an she artist. can design her own. Agreed. Exactly. Uh, maybe she finds some kind of ink in some kind of plant. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, it would hurt like crazy. I got a tattoo with an actual Ugh. needle, and that hurt like crazy, so I can't imagine doing it the old-fashioned way. But again, girlfriend had a lot of time on her hands. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So maybe she did. Just line by line every day, she just does one more. <laughs> Dear, her six years, and she's like, it's done! Dear diary, yes. <laughs> hey, Bellamy, I got another line done today. <laughs> very, very plausible. Belly and Raven are up and say, it's like, we can't see it! Or they're like, oh my god, Clark, seriously, you're still talking about your tattoo? Good lord. Do you think that... I kind of want her to, like, update them with all of her outfit changes, though. She's like, oh, I found this sweet jacket today. I think it's funny you think she has more than one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Laundry point, day, laundry day. Um, <laughs> with what water? We don't know. But I also would like to think that she told them about Maddie. Would she tell them? Would she tell them that she found a friend and that she's a nightblood? You know? 
I think I yes, but I so. also think this is her YouTube channel, so she does like <laughs> hauls. <laughs> Except it's kid hauls. She's gonna be like, remember to subscribe at the end. Or maybe she's talking about books to Bellamy and like he's listening, but she she's not getting a response. And maybe she's talking about all the history nerd stuff. That'd be amazing. Yeah. She, she just turns, she goes, please leave something in the comments. <laughs> Remember that time on Titanic? Oh, wait, you haven't seen that movie yet. Okay. Yeah. She, you know what? I would love Clark to explain the plot of big movies to Maddie. Oh, yes. <laughs> movies don't exist. So she's like, so what we used to do is make moving pictures that talked. This show, this one, 2001, it was so ridiculous. It was about being in space with a computer talking to, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's too meta. Yes. Too real, too real. Too real. Oh my gosh. Sorry, we went off again, but it's fun. I think I think it's all relevant. It is. Me and, too. Yeah. Yes. And I hope, you know, we talked if we missed a character, I apologize because I tended to go off on tangents. Uh, it is okay because so do we. Okay, good. <laughs> we we get off into such bad tan- tangents that sometimes we just start singing. Ooh. So yeah. yeah. I'm waiting. Let's do it. <laughs> oh no. What did we I think we did Backstreet Boys when we were recording our oh, yes. podcast. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> okay. Maybe we record a singing podcast in between seasons. Perfect. Uh, yes. We should do that. Uh oh my god. Obviously the script read of the first episode should be a musical. Yeah. Ooh. That meditation setting up. Or maybe in space, Bellamy wrote Hamilton version a version of Hamilton that talks about <laughs> the history of Earth. That'd be amazing. I'm just saying, he's got Tom in his hands oh too, God. maybe. Robin's head just exploded. Like, whose name has enough syllables? I know. Oh, I'm just saying, sense. we have time. We can make it up, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what we do at the end is we have, um, like, little episode-by-episode episode segments. So, mine was Marcus Key and Beard Appreciation, but <clears throat> not there. Okay. And um, Clark Griffin Shower Watch, which is CGSW. <laughs> Love it. So, okay. uh, I guess the yeah. Let's let's try it. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you see if uh, What do you think? Did Clark take a shower? I'm gonna say I don't think so because there's no water. <laughs> However, her hair is not all natty nats, so she, maybe there is some kind of source that she's using. Whether it's you know uh, from a plant, some deep below Earth, she was able to mine out some water. But I'm gonna <laughs> say. Clark has showered once a month. Oh, that's so sad. Yep. Well, you know what? In the time jump, it was raining, and that's nature's shower. There you go. You are correct. I apologize. Rain shower, yes. <laughs> okay. That's um, how she does her laundry, too. Yeah. Uh, my first segment is called the post-apocalyptic sass watch, and so uh, this week's award goes to John Murphy, surprise, surprise, for... It's right through these trees, sunshine. <laughs> Excellent choice. And my second segment is called the Most Valuable Protagonist Award, and this week's MVP is Clark Griffin. Excellent. Fitting choice. Can I give a co-choice of Raven Reyes? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Of course. And just going back to- Without that big brain- I know, right? They'd all be lost. They'd pretty much all be toast, literally. Yeah. Toast. Yeah. Uh, To go back to Clark and Soap for a minute, um, Mm -hmm. you know Aaron Ginsberg, supervising producer, executive producer of the show, one of the writers, Mm -hmm. he does these amazing behind-the-scenes photos. He also does writer's room doodles. And recently he donated to me a writer's room doodle of Clark and Soap. Oh, my God. And knowing the fandom is obsessed with this, I asked if I could have it for Cancer Gets Last. He said yes, and I'm going to have Eliza sign it. 
Oh my, that is gonna be a Clark very Griffin shower item. watch. And I explained to Eliza recently the Clark and soap obsession, and she had never heard that before and thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and she's like, "But I shower this season. Are the fans happy?" I said, "Oh, they're happy for many reasons that you showered. Yes, yes, good job. <laughs> yes." I remember uh, when that, that happened. Was, we were like, "Is this for us?" It's pretty much like for fan service. Gift. Yes. Yeah, that was the best kind of yeah. Clark getting to rest in that beautiful bedroom out of my dreams for one second yeah oh i know and that shower i want that shower for myself they don't build anything that big in vancouver but i want it (laughs) so great that house was probably a 10 million dollar house oh i'm sure i i oh we should find out if they actually used an actual house or built that set i imagine it was an existing house i know um the exteriors of that house are actually not that far from me girl have you stocked Um, have you stocked that house listen (laughs) someone posted on twitter and i was like oh so that's just marine drive so i could just like walk there so you did (laughs) and then um i actually came back flew back from edmonton once and my cousin picked me up and she said you're not gonna believe this and i said what she goes i passed 100 filming signs on the way here (gasps) and it was um echo and octavia having the sword fight at a horse club no shit near me yeah so that was so cool. It's little. I love living in Vancouver for those little moments. Oh, totally! And so many shows filmed there. You're gonna you're gonna run across them at any moment. Oh yeah, they shot Riverdale uh, within walking distance of me. That's so cool. So I never time that was yeah. Every time I watch Arrow, once upon a time, I'm like, they're gonna run into Clark Griffin running through the forest, right? Because it's the same forest. <laughs> right? It's the same forest. It's when all we just were- North Van. Uh, when we were in uh, Vancouver for Unity Days, we stopped at a restaurant and we could look through the window to watch Timeless filming. And that I was, was waving cool. at the people who were <laughs> acting and they were all waving back. And I was like, look at all my for new friends. That's right. <laughs> God bless Vancouver. We, also, we hiked up to where um, Arcadia was and we got a long way out. And the only thing that actually stopped our hike was a... I think it was, like, flooded areas. Oh, cool. Yeah, but, it was a map, um, and then it was like, go this way. But then there was a sign that said, don't go this way. And we went, okay. That right on it was Alexa deserved a better sticker. So that was... <laughs> Not a surprise. Of fans yeah. had been... Yeah, like, they had been up there, and I was like, yes. Oh, it's... You go, guys. Most of Vancouver filming spots have been well-marked. Um, yes. Yes, they have. <laughs> and it's sad to think that the Arcadia set and the Polo set aren't there anymore. Oh, I'm so sad and Maybe about that's that. how we can find it. But there you go. Yeah, it yeah. was already gone. Well, they would have probably torn it down the week after we were there. Yeah, that's and really then, sad. I don't unless they think repurposed about that. it or saved it for another show or for next season to rebuild. You know, right? Oh, yeah, Arcadia. it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm already excited. I'm I'm ready for season five right now. Oh, girl, you got some time. Yeah, you have some time. Got about eight months. Yes. Oh, and as Octavia fans, you'll also appreciate that Aaron donated a writer's doodle, writer's room doodle of, it's a Venn diagram of Octavia and a ninja. And so uh, I don't see Marie often, but I'll bring it to Comic-Con just in case to have her sign it. But I think it's hilarious because she is ninja. Oh, you're going to Comic-Con? It'll be my 10th year in a row. I'm so jealous. Wow. I went for the final season of Battlestar in 2008. Excellent. And that, I think that was right before Comic-Con got really, really, really huge. It was, for sure. That, that was a really cool experience. I almost had an opportunity to go this year with, um, I got hired at TV After Dark. Nice. But I just missed the press deadline. Oh, bummer. Oh, so sad, so. It's so huge and so overwhelming, but I love it. Yeah. I mean, that was before people had to camp out for panels. Yep. When I went. Yep. That was crazy. The only time I ever camped out was for the final 
ever lost panel in 2009. Uh, and I didn't have to, but I chose to camp out with everyone. And then uh, Damon and Carlton, who ran the show, came out in the middle of the night and brought people uh, pizza or coffee, I forget. Um, and, and I stayed up and did lost trivia and gave out prizes and slept out under the stars. And that was before Comic-Con provided, like, shelter. They Now they have overhangs. They put up, like, um, um, you know, awnings. They, they put up awnings um, on stilts over the fans who were sleeping on the lawn. Oh, Wow. And I was like, huh, we didn't get that. We got sunburned and we were stinky. <laughs> it was a good time. I'm so glad I didn't have to camp out for the Battlestar panel. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna I'm going to ATX TV Festival in a few weeks in Austin, oh. as I do every year, and there's a Battlestar Galactica reunion, and that's one of the main reasons I'm going. Oh, I'm 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 so excited. I hope they live stream it because like Battlestar is like to me what Lost is to you guys. Like that's mm-hmm. that's my heart show. I completely understand. Oh, I loved that I also, show. That was like the whole reason I went into TV in the first place. Which is great. See, it always takes one show to get people into yeah. figuring, yeah. figuring out the career. Whether it's a career in television or figuring out that they want to do something that they see a character doing on a show. You know, it, yeah. there's such, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that that can be said for characters and actors and fans. And that's why, mm-hmm. for the most part, The 100 has been amazing. And so I just want to sort of wrap it up on a positive note and say that, you know, I think it's wonderful that you guys have this podcast. And I am honored to be part of this fandom and I am uh, honored to be a guest on your podcast and I would hope that I could come back next season to talk about it with you. Absolutely. Oh, we would love that. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming. Oh my gosh. It's fun. On a Friday, let's hang out and talk about the show for two hours. Sure. <laughs> so Best Friday ever. Best Friday ever. It's also a long weekend here, so yeah. yeah. Bring it on. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Monday's Memorial Day. Oh, I we see. We don't have a long weekend, do we? Uh, we just oh, had Canada. Victoria Day last weekend, so. But you guys also oh. live in Canada, so you win. I would like to go to there. Um, so, <laughs> come hang out with our Disney Prince Prime Minister. Seriously, guys, yep. I actually pretend he's ours. So, yeah. You should. Yeah. I I just I want him to adopt all of my favorite Americans. Um, yes. we would accept yeah. gladly. Um, <laughs> I actually I've never met an a, a mean Canadian. I mean, honestly, Canadians and Australians are my favorite. They are so mm. nice. Well, that's like my joke with the CW is the CW is just cast or like stacked with Albertans and Australians. And they're smart because they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're good human beings. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have our our fair share. We ha- we have our own version of Trump right now. Right. But, uh, we do have Trudeau and he makes me he makes me believe in goodness. He he is helping the world spin around right now for sure. And yeah. he, ha- he has Star Wars socks. I mean, come on. Uh, seriously. <laughs> he hugs pandas. We like him. <laughs> yeah. He builds forts in his office with children. Seriously, some of us just pretend he's our guy and then the world's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Okay. Oh, man. Well, hey, thanks again for having me. And uh, I apologize to fans if A, I offended you, which whatever. Uh, B, uh, (laughs) if we forgot to talk about your favorite character because we were just talking a lot. We we, we did the best we could. It's true. We did whatever the hell we yeah. want. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we just wrapped up our podcast about that show. And we also have a Lost podcast, which is currently in the works. Uh, we'll be starting to get uh, episodes out a lot faster. And we'll be having Joe on for every season finale. Heck yes! Yeah. yeah. If you are so inclined, we interviewed Sachin Sehel most recently, who plays Jackson. So if you want to go check that interview out, it was really fun. And we talked about candy a lot, actually. 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at The Aficionados. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash The because it's really expensive to do this on SoundCloud. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And I also run at The 100 Script. We tweet out every line of The 100. It's fun. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abritannia. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Um, Joe, where can everyone follow you? You can follow me at Joe Opinionated, which is Opinionated with a J, and <laughs> at Cancer Gets Lost. And you can find me and Cancer Gets Lost on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but not Tumblr. That's probably a good choice. <laughs> we don't have any more episodes this season, so let us know what we should do during the hiatus and tweet us, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Yay! Yeah. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Love you, bye!